Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us on the podcast, and I appreciate we're going to talk a little bit about education again, but this time from a different perspective, uh, from that perspective of a student, and I want to talk about that. I got to tell you, though, I am... I'm excited about the weather changing a little bit. Now, listen, I record the podcast in Colorado. So weather matters here. We actually have seasons here. If you're listening in Florida, you're like, um, what do you mean the weather's changing? Matt, is it, is it Matt, my board operator here, Matt, it's kind of exciting. You live in Colorado too. It's exciting to see the weather kind of change and we go from the snow and the cold and the wet and the wind to... Well, days. well, and, and I, I have to issue a correction here, which is you say we have seasons, but we have cold and we have hot. Oh, there's <laughs> there's there, two seasons. There's nothing in between. It was 80. And this is true. So last this last week, it was 80 degrees for two days. Yeah. And then the next day we got six inches of snow. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's cold and there's hot springtime, fall, kind of a suggestion, in my opinion. We might get like a week or two of spring right. or fall. Right. So it's kind of nice. But I get excited about that. My favorite. um. Matt knows this. I, they call it the fall funk. Remember when I used to do a radio show, our, the producer, Ashley, used to always call it the fall funk because I, I hunt and that's when I go out and hunt and I'd be like, oh, I have to do a show and I'd throw a big fit. Remember that? <laughs> yep, yep. So yep. fall's kind of my favorite. I love fall. But I love summers too, man. Summers are great. Summers are nice. They're nicer here than in some places. I, I yeah. have friends in places where well, summer's hey, not as fun. We so. can't tell everybody that summers are great in Colorado. You're right. Because then every single person will move here. Yeah, summer's terrible here. From it's, California. It's, it's actually, it's hotter than Phoenix here. It's like 200 in the summer. Don't come here. It's not worth it. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, that's not actually true. But anyway, uh, all right. Well, let's get to the show. Well, we've talked a lot about education savings accounts or ESAs on the show. And why have we covered this so much? Well, it's because so many states have either passed education savings accounts or are in the process of passing one. There's a, there's a renaissance in K-12 through education and uh, very, very exciting. We've had people on who were helped by ESAs. We've had parents. We've had state directors from Americans for Prosperity. We've had policymakers. Even someone who started a school for ADHD boys to talk about how ESAs or education savings accounts benefit students. But on today's episode, we're going to talk to a former student who personally experienced the benefits of an ESA. After all, our education system should be about students. Above all else, that's what it should be about. Denisha Allen was a Florida student who bounced from school to school. She fell behind her peers and just really didn't care about learning. And after Denisha was finally able to receive Florida's tax credit scholarship, uh, program, she went from making D's and F's to A's and B's because she was finally in a stable school environment and a school that worked for her. She was formerly trapped in a one size fits all school, and she's now unleashed to apply her skills and talents in a way that best suited her 
and she flourished. And that's what this discussion is all about. Denisha, thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much, Jeff, for having me. So you, you have a really unique story because uh, you, you ended up going to work for Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education. Um, during the Trump administration, right? And so you went from this student who was getting D's and F's to that. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool story. Tell us tell us about that journey. Yeah, it was very cool, and one that no one—I can't even say not many because that wouldn't even be accurate. No one in my family or even community, let alone the education reform space, um, has had to work at the federal level. Um, but it, how I got there um, was exactly how you explain education, the um, opportunity to go to the school of my godmother's choice really made the difference in my life. Uh, growing up, I, I would, you know, start in, with personal, you know, everything is intertwined. I grew up, I was born to a teen mom. She had me at the age of 16 years old. And uh, one day she was want to go out and party and she left me in the care of oh, a lady and that lady became my godmother and ultimately helped to change the trajectory of my life. You know, she was no kin to me. She was um, just a, a saint, to be honest. And um, at the age of 13, I began to live with her permanently. When one of the first things she wanted to do was get me into a good school, because before then, I hadn't had a great experience with school. I failed the third grade twice because I couldn't read. And um, there was no community of help, no community of support um, for me in school. I would walk through the door and teachers would sigh like, here's. Here's another one. My oh. maiden name is Merriweather. And so when I would come through the door, they, were, they knew of the Merriweathers. Um, and <laughs> you're, 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 you were legend. You're exactly you, you preceded, preceded you, huh? That's right. And not in a good way. And so, but on, right. you know, in the street, I thought, you know, I wore my last name as a badge of honor. You know, I tell people because I could be walking down the street and they would, you know, people would say, oh, that's Tracy Mary was this little girl. You know, there was don't mess with them. You know, don't mess with the, those Merryweathers um, because they'll get you. And then but going into the classroom, no, it was not a good uh, thing to be branded as being one of the Merryweathers. <laughs> And teachers helped me to that standard. And so I really didn't have any, I had no hope. You know, I, I hated school. I was always very despondent and I had low, very, had low self-esteem. In the fourth grade, I was actually accepted into this catch-up program. And it was a program that was designed for other kids who in elementary school had failed two and three, four grade levels. And, um, I didn't even pass that program. And so I thought that I was dumb. I just knew that I was stupid. I thought that I was a failure. Um, and then insert education freedom. You know, my godmother, when I started to live with her, a friend told her about the scholarship program. And 
because she couldn't afford, you know, she couldn't afford private school tuition on her income mm-hmm. either, you know. Um, and so she applied for the program. I got accepted. And that's when everything started to change. It was a small private school on the north side of Jacksonville, started by her church. The school literally had like 100. It was like 100 kids from K through 12. There were seven kids in my graduating class for context. <laughs> and um, it changed my life. One of the first things that's really sad, but it made all the difference. And I knew this school was different was every single day, the teachers were standing at the door greeting us with a smile and hugs and well wishes. It wasn't something that lasted just the first week of school, you know, because every kid is used to that the first week of school. But mm-hmm. that happened every single day from the moment I stepped foot on the campus starting into sixth grade to the moment I graduated in 12th grade and uh, like that 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 made all the difference for me um and I'm not gonna say I went the moment I stepped foot in the door I went from you know making A's and B's but you know it I was a troubled kid you know I came with a lot of baggage but the teachers were patient they were patient and they worked with me. The summer before I even started, I was meeting at a teacher's house and g- reading and learning my times tables. That's how much dedication they had to me. And I did. I went from making D's and F's to A's and B's the first nine weeks. And wow. I learned that, you know, I wasn't a failure. I was just in a system that had failed me. The system didn't set me up to succeed and didn't set me up to um, to learn, uh, it had really set me up to fail. And because of school choice, I was able to leave my zone school, leave the, 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 the neighborhood school and go into an environment where they weren't going to judge me based on my past. They weren't going to judge me based on my income, how I came to school, how I was looking, all of the things, um, they were gonna, you know, push me towards excellence. Um, the motto at the school was Esprit de Corps, center of school where learning is a joy, excellence is the norm, and superiority is our goal. We had to say that all the time, every day. <laughs> and But it was. There was a standard. You just weren't going to be a lax you know, student. No, there was a standard. And I was surrounded by other students who were also making a beyond straight a's and it was the culture you know if you were one of the few people sitting down not making the honor roll not doing your best at school not putting your best foot forward you were in the minority and so there was just a different culture um i became the first in my family to graduate from high school um i went on to um college graduated from college and went to grad school earned my master's degree in social work and i was going to be a social worker until um i got uh involved in the education reform space right after grad school that's when i was um invited by secretary devos to come and work for her at the u.s department of education um and then i've just been uh working full-time in education reform since what what an incredible i mean that's an amazing story and you know i as you were telling it I was thinking to myself, you know, born to a teen mom, uh, didn't have the resources to to go to a better school, right? So you are the epitome of the student that gets thrown away in 
the system, right? And uh, thank God you found, you know, you found the, the family that, that you found, your, your godmother. Is that, is that yeah. who you call her, your godmother? Um, and that this system was broken so that you, sh- you could succeed. I, you made an incredible statement. You realized you weren't a failure, but the system failed you. That, what, a, what a powerful statement that is, right? Yeah, no, it, you're you're right. Like I look at people, my family. Like I can even I can look internally at my family, my biological siblings. I am two. There are two of us who graduated. There are five of us total, and two um, that have a high school diploma. And um, that's sad, you know. I am one of my, I have two siblings who dropped out of school. Well, actually the other three mm-hmm. dropped out of school. Um, and it's, it's sad. So I look at my own personal life and I say, well, insert school. The only thing that was different from all right. of our life is that I had the opportunity to go to a different school. You know, I had the opportunity to get into a new environment and go to a different school, not my neighborhood schools. And then I look across the country at black students in particular who have similar environments, but have similar, you know, life stories as mine and maybe not, but writ large are not doing good in America's Mm -hmm. public school system. 85% of black students in this country are functionally illiterate and 83% of them are not doing math on level. And that is, it's sad. It's, it's heartbreaking. And the, you know, we have this, this term that we've coined the school to prison pipeline. And I like to call it the public school to prison pipeline, because what do you think is going to happen if you have a community, a group of people who can't read, who can't go out into society um, with skills to make it, to get jobs, to go to college, they're going to be engaged in uh, unsocially acceptable occupations. Let's just say that. Um, And that's what we're going to have. And that's the system that we have today. And that's why I, I started the project that I lead at the American Federation for Children called Black Minds Matter. And it was after the protest and um, the after George Floyd was murdered and everyone across the country was like, you know, oh, we're going to fix racial injustice. We're going to fix, you know, um, systems that are not, you know, uh, don't have equity. And Aunt Jemima, the pancake mix, the syrup company, um, it was a lot of theatrical, you know, advancements talking about they were going to help black people. And the one that really got me that just irked me was that Aunt Jemima, the pancake and syrup company said in the name of equity and helping black people um, at racial freedom, justice, whatever. We're going to change our company's brand because it was rooted in racism and that's going to help, you know. So they're now the Pearl Miller company. But no one was saying, hey, we have a system of education in this country that's failed black students. We have black kids in this country that are relegated to failing schools. Look at what's happening in Baltimore City. And we're going to help fix it. There were a lot of 
proverbial, you know, solutions to some of the other issues that we have in this country, but none of them were feasible. But with education, we have a feasible alternative. It's been proven. It's been studied. We have life, you know, stories like mine. School choice makes a difference in people's lives and it changes the trajectory of people's lives. It makes education better in this country. But nobody was talking about that. Nobody was like, oh, yeah, let's fix education. Um, Yeah. Well. I mean, such an incredible story. I, I want to ask you, I, I've, I've often told my kids this and in, in sort of my public life, I've said this a lot, that in America, you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a victor, right? And it, it seems like you made that decision, right? When you said, hey, I'm not a failure. I'm not a victim of the system. I, I can succeed. It's the system that failed me. How much of that, how much of the underachievement in your mind of students, and maybe maybe even talking about black students, um, but, but how much of that underachievement is this sense that they're, they're just beat down by the system? They're told, hey, you're a victim, rather than understanding that they can be victorious in life, and it's up to them to, to be able to grab that and, and move forward. How, how much of that do you think plays into that? I think in, in the case of a system of education that has not just black students, but white students in this country are not doing that great. And when we look at PISA scores, that's international uh, data, um, all of our students across the country are performing at the mid-level. I think we rank 36 um, on PISA. And so we are across the board, not doing well academically in this country. White students can't read on par either. You know, if we compare them to black students, they're doing a little bit better. Um, But if we actually compare Asian students to white and black students, we'll be talking about a different racial (laughs) achievement gap because Asian students are, they're doing way better than all of uh, the other racial uh, ethnic groups. Um, But as far as victimhood to your to your question, there is a a system of education. Currently, what we have is education is funded based on where you live. And if you're living in a poor neighborhood, which just based on the facts, folks who are uh, poor are mostly minority. So mostly minority Black and Hispanic people are poor than the rest of the races. And they're living in neighborhoods, in poor neighborhoods. And that's how we are funding our system of public education. Mm-hmm. So we can't really say that that's a form of victimhood. The system has not done due diligence by um, poor communities because we won't elimin- eliminate uh, funding schools based on where folks live. Um, open enrollment policies have done a, a little bit of job, a good job at providing more options in the public school space for students who are living in poor neighborhoods um, because now you can apply to a different um, public school that's outside of your district. Um, But unfortunately, that's not uh, been the the remedy for a lot of kids. There are waiting lists for those schools and um, kids still have to get to those schools. There's not still a great 
wealth of opportunity for kids to get out of the zip codes that they're relegated to. Um, and that's why we say school choice is the be- better option. So that's not a that's not a victimhood statement. But to your point, there is a a switch that you there's you know a switch that you have to take when people in general um when just saying oh it's because of the system that i'm this way it's because of the system no we have to pick ourselves up we have to make the decisions to fight as much as we can against all of the hindrances of systems you know and education is is not the only one you know um to make a better life for ourselves um and that's the work that people like me and a lot of people who work in education reform have taken up to help kids have the opportunity. The uh, school choice programs, you know, are most of them started off as means tested programs, not education savings accounts like what's sweeping the country. They were means tested programs for either students with special needs or students who come from low-income families. And predominantly, uh, our, our minority kids who are taking advantage of the um, tax credit scholarships that are means-tested for lower-income families. Um, there is a, a great study out, out of my home state, I'm biased, um, out of Florida with the gubernatorial election between Ron DeSantis and Andrew Gillum. Um, Andrew Gillum, Black Democrat, has celebrity endorsement from folks all across the country. Uh, Ron DeSantis, white Republican. Everybody would have said that Ron DeSantis was going to lose because he didn't have celebrity endorsement. He wasn't a young, uh, good-looking Black guy. Um, But the difference was Andrew Gillum made the very poor Democratic decision as a Democrat and said that he was going to pull down the school choice program. He was going to defund charter schools and eliminate funding for school choice in the state of Florida. And shouldn't did that because there's a great article in the Wall Street Journal talking about how black moms in Florida tipped the vote for uh, Ron DeSantis because they support their kids going to private schools, going to uh, charter schools and exercising choice in their family. Uh, they realize that, hey, we're, we're, we want the best for our kids. We want them to have the best quality of education that they can get. They care about their kids. And so I think that that is a, um, a great point to, you know, to the conversation where it's like, Parents want what is best for their kids. They want them to be better than them, to progress and excel. And that's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it is incredible the difference that it makes. And you talked about how our system right now is built around neighborhoods and your zip code. And, you know, zip codes across America are pretty uh, inequitable, uh, right? Just if you look at the standard of living, the, the, you know, annual income of of people in those neighborhoods it's very inequitable and of course why would schools if you're basing it on zip codes why would they be any different so we've had it wrong all these years basing k through 12 education on zip codes because we're we're bound to get inequality when we do that 
I mean, do you agree with that? No, you are definitely right. We're, we're, you, you, like you said, we're bound to get a system of inequality when we fund based on where a person lives. Um, and that's the system that we have now, but that's really why education savings accounts are so attractive and interesting and my favorite form of choice because it, it, levels the playing field a little bit more um like we have five states right now that's passed uh esa legislation across the country and what this what that type of policy does it funds um each student or universal education sorry education savings account funds each student across the state with a lump sum of money that they can take. And we, you know, use the analogy, a backpack of funding and they can take it to whichever type of school learning environment that they want. They can spend mm-hmm. it on tablets, books, tutoring, therapies, um, anything that helps the kid learn. And I think it's the most innovative form of education funding that we have because Learning is so fluid nowadays, you know, uh, I just downloaded chat GPT, which I probably shouldn't have because, you know, the bots just listen and take all of our data. (laughs) But it's so cool. Like what's possible nowadays, we have learning at our fingertips. And so for a parent to realize that and for kids to to have this boost in learning is fun again because now learning is not just confounded to a building um it's it's cool what's going to happen and that really breaks it away from us funding systems and instead we're now moving to funding students and it's cool i'm i'm really excited to see what happens in the next 10 20 years it took us 10 20 it took us 20 30 years to get to where we are now um the first charter school was created about 30 32 years ago and so to see how far we've come in such a short amount of time um i'm i'm excited because it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool to really see that we um un bundle education and that's the goal right. yeah it's and it, it has taken a long time and it, it doesn't seem like really that long but when you think of the kids in those You're 30 right. years yeah. you know that have been lost yeah. uh it so we have to have this urgency to try and get this passed in every state and uh you know all, all of these reforms i want to focus on two more things in the time that we have left one was the passage of the law in florida and so I want to ask you some questions about that, but I also want to talk to you about Black Minds Matter and some of the great work that you're doing there as well. But let me talk to you a little bit about um, when it was passed. The teachers union was against uh, this tax credit scholarship program, as they gener- generally are in most states. They're not for reform, which kind of exposes that they're they're not really about kids; they're about unionized teachers. Um, your thoughts about the teachers union and how they fought the expansion of the tax credit scholarship program in Florida. Yeah, I, it was bizarre at the least. I was in high school when it first happened, when I first got wind that there's a lawsuit during that time. I, in my life, I had began to get involved. Now let me wait before we, before you continue, let me ask you this. Most high school 
kids don't get involved or care about this? What made you care about it? Well, I I was I had started to get involved with Step Up for Students. I began to share my story about how the program had impacted my life, changed mm-hmm. my life. Um, and that was small donor events. You know, I was right. going to these small donor events and learning and that stuff. It wasn't really until um, Charlie Chris, you know, I credit him with my yeah. <laughs> political involvement in, in the education reform space because sure. at the time I didn't know education choice, the program that had benefited me was so political. I was really sharing my story at these events at with Step Up for Students in Florida because it was therapeutic. You know, every time I yeah. talked about my crazy childhood, I felt a little bit better. So I was like, you know, <laughs> you know I, I hadn't gone to therapy. And so that was kind of therapeutic. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's honest, it wasn't until Charlie Chris, he was a Republican at he was a Republican governor. At the time, yeah. he invited me and my godmother up to the Capitol to sign one of the expansion bills for the tax credit scholarship program into law. And I was so excited. I was standing behind him, you know, with a photo op press there. And he, he turned around after he signed the expansion bill. He handed me the signing pin and it was the coolest thing I remember in high school oh, being yeah. a part of. And when I went back home, you can imagine all of my classmates, folks at church. Um, I was just like a mini celebrity. And <laughs> I, I soaked it in. I was just like, yeah, you know, here's the pin, show and tell, you know. And then the next time he ran, it was only like maybe a few months later, he ran as a Democrat, a, a Democrat governor. Um, yes. He changed parties. And then he said that he did not support the school choice program. His his arm was pulled. He wanted to defund the program, you know, running on typical uh, the Democrats platform when it comes to education reform. And I was so confused. I was like flustered. I'm like, what happened? Because he, He's the one that got you involved like kind of involved politically in this you're at the bill signing and then all of a sudden he's running as a democrat instead of a republican and he switched like a very unprincipled switched his position on the issue seriously it it took me for a shock we were all shocked everyone in my community was shocked it was i didn't understand and so that's when i kind of listened a little bit more Try to mm-hmm. learn what, okay, what is, what is happening? You're telling me that the reason why he did that was because he's a Democrat now. I thought like Democrats, they look like me. They, you know, I know my, everybody votes Democrat, you know? Um, and so that's when it started. That's when, you know, in high school, I began to get involved in the politics around it, learn that, oh, the Republican Party traditionally supports it. Democrats don't support it. This seems stupid. And then insert the teachers union. The teachers union, they sued the program. Um, they sued our program uh, twice. Well, it went, they, they sued it in lower court and the lower court dismissed it. Then they took it to the state Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court ultimately um, uh, dismissed their lawsuit as well. But that's when it really, that's when my eyes became open because they were 
running and suing, saying that all of these kids, all of us who are in school, um, need to be ejected from our schools and sent back to public school. Um, and I'm like, this program changed my life. Y'all didn't do anything yeah, for me. Right. Um, <laughs> and so that's when I really, and so in Florida, there has been, you know, we give credit, which credit is due to uh, Governor DeSantis for uh, signing the um, ESA bill into law. But there's been for quite some time now since Governor Jeb Bush, um, he and he, you know, instituted the first uh, voucher bill and mm-hmm. it, the, the teachers union did succeed in um, taking that program down. But since the Governor Bush, there's been a drip in the bucket, drip in the bucket and parents standing up um, there in the the. The state legislature, um, even the state Supreme Court has stood on the side of parents for quite some time. And so the teachers unions now in Florida, um, I, I wouldn't say they're non-existent because they're still there, but they know their place. Um, and I, I hope to see more states, you know, put the teachers unions in their place and do what's right for students. Um, because the adults in the system, they've already gotten their education. You know, we're, we right. built a system, a public school system really is built a system to protect and hire adults, but that's not the purpose. You know, we want our teachers to make good money. That is true. But when we talk about public schools, the first thought is teachers, teachers, teachers. And that's amazing. Like, I don't want us to not care about our teachers. But I wish our first thought was kids. Are the kids learning? How are the kids doing? Are the kids getting a good education? Um, because that's why we have it, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I really hope other states uh, defeat their teachers unions um, like Florida's done. Yeah. Well, you said that puts them in their place and their places behind the union's places behind the student. That's where their place is. Yep. And where it should be. And uh, so so that's great. Tell me a little bit about Black Minds Matter and the good work that you're doing there. Yeah. So I started Black Minds Matter in 2020 at the American Federation for Children. And uh, it I, I is one of the coolest things that I've been able to do. I'm actually in D.C. Uh, while we're recording this, I'm going to be testifying before Congress talking about um, the work that we're doing to in a nutshell, you know, because we're on a podcast, I'm not going to say this before Congress, but <laughs> to make school choice sexy, you know, in the right. African American sure. community, um, we've done some amazing uh, work in the policy area, but we also still need to market ourselves a little bit better. People still view us as, you know, wonky policy wonks, you know, <laughs> who work in sure, this space. Right. And we have a comms problem when. You know, I go into a neighborhood that's mostly minority and they're still voting Democrat just because that's what they've done for so long. That's what mom did, grandma did, granddad, whatever, but not understand that there's a a union that's funneling money to them and they're not going to, you know, vote uh, for school choice. But we know because of national polling that black people love school choice and they want more of it. 
So there's that education that needs to happen. And um, and then there's also the the encouragement piece, the positive piece where um, we have black school founders. And so on our website, blackmindsmatter.net, we have the first and the only directory of black school founders. And I love this work because it really um, changes the narrative around school choice. Um, you know, and so we're trying to attract left of center and really make this issue bipartisan because education is not political. And, um, so we want to, yeah, we want to, uh, make school choice, make it sexy, make it a bipartisan issue again. Um, and invite people in the in black school founders to me, they're doing some really cool work. They are black owned, you know, quote unquote, black owned businesses um, in the space. They're education entrepreneurs. Many of the folks in my network, they used to be public school teachers and they saw that they hit a ceiling. They couldn't help anymore. And they decided, you know what? I'm a founder school. And I'm like, that is so cool. Um, I, you know, it's my goal. My, I would, you know, big picture. I would love that every college of education not only taught that, hey, you can get an education degree, and that's a different conversation. But you can get an education degree and be a teacher. No, you can get an education degree and found a school. You know, if everybody taught that message, every college campus would be inadvertently supporting school choice because you can't found a district school. Um, you can only found a school of choice. And it it's it's cool doing this work because with the school founders network, um it, they've been able to message things differently than what we've traditionally um been doing. You know, we talk to students about their experience. We talk to um parents about their experience, but to talk to folks who are running schools about how they're implementing programs, creating opportunity for kids, it it's pretty cool. And I heard that yeah, you had someone on who founded a school on the podcast. I I I am looking forward to going back and listening to that one. Yeah, no, it it was great. They did a great job. And um (laughs) and and you're doing a great job. And by the way, the way we get through this is by you telling your story. And a million other people telling their stories about how this transformation of public policy changed their life, right? Yeah. This this government-imposed barrier that's been out there for so long about sending kids to the school based upon their zip code. Once you break that down, it changes lives. Um, so th- if people wanted to know more about Black Minds Matter or about the American Federation for Children, how would they do that? Yes. So... Um, you can, of course, go to our website um, for Black Minds Matter. You can go to www.blackmindsmatter.net because we're a network. And for AFC, the American Federation for Children, you can go to federationforchildren.org. Um, you can also check us out on social media. Follow us on YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook, all of the great social media accounts. Um, and we'd love to have you follow us. Yeah. that So that's awesome. So final question, tell me about your godmother and tell me how proud, I mean, she must be really, really proud of you. Yes. Um, yes, she was. She actually passed away two years ago. Um, and 
yeah, she she was a saint. When I tell you she was a saint, she definitely was very, very, very proud. Um, I had that when I worked um, in D.C., I had the opportunity to take her to the White House to, oh, wow. <laughs> to take her around. And um, it was so funny because she like gobbled it up she was just like never would i have ever imagined that i would have been in the white house that you would have brought me to the white house and um yeah (laughs) that's so great and her i mean that's a testament to her love and her uh investment in you as a person i mean you truly it sounds like from your story you were changed by by that and by the investment and love that she put into you and by the change in this law, which allowed you to use your talents to go do what you wanted to do and, and apply the, the God-given talent that you had. Yep, most definitely. She, um, she, was, uh, she was a treasure, and um, yeah, she, she had high standards. She had high standards, and um, it was, that, like you said, thanks to her love and her dedication um, that I was able to, to make strong headways um and i am i am forever grateful to her because uh like i said she was not a family member she was just a community person and uh, we don't have many of those folks in it yeah. these days anymore <laughs> you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah well what an amazing story you're an inspiration denisha Thanks, and Jeff. i just can't thank you enough for for sharing your story but also for the great work that you're doing Uh, again, at American Federation for Children and Black Minds Matter. So thanks for everything you do. Thank you. Have a great one. Thank you so much for having me on. So we've talked, I mean, what a great guest. And we've talked about how these education savings accounts, we've done so many episodes on this. And I know there's people like, well, you've covered this from this angle and that angle. I get it. I know we have. And the great thing is they're happening all across America, state after state after state is learning that this is the way to go to empower parents and students. And, you know, there are states that that are resistant. You know, Utah last year, Utah passed education savings accounts. But last year, their governor, their Republican governor was resistant to signing the educational savings accounts bill. And I'm just here to tell you, all of these governors, all these state legislators that, that are resistant to this, they just don't see the train that's coming, right? This is going to happen in state after state. And when you have educational freedom in Utah and West Virginia and Arizona and Arkansas and state after state after state, pretty soon when you live in Colorado or Wyoming or Virginia or North Carolina or any other state that doesn't have education savings accounts, people take notice. See, the free market works. The free market works in schools. It works. Uh, we, we see this with, with high-tax states, states like Illinois, uh, New York, and others, and we see people fleeing that. There's all this discussion of people fleeing New York and heading down to Florida to live in Florida. Well, You know what? There's a reason people do that. People vote with their feet. And you're starting to see that in education where state after state is looking at this and saying, you know what? If we're going to compete, if we're going to compete as a state and have an education system that stands up to other states, 
we're going to have to empower parents and children to make a difference. And that's what you saw with uh, this story today. Uh, And so it was great to hear it from the student's perspective, from a student who was trapped in a failing school, couldn't get out, and then their life was changed. Her life was changed because of this law, which allowed her and empowered her to go make a difference in her own life. And it it put focus on her rather than the institution and rather than the establishment or the education infrastructure. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us. As always, the American Potential Podcast, we're going to help inspire you with some of these stories and you can stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, on YouTube, go write a review. We are over 800 reviews on Spotify and I think 600 or 700 on uh, iTunes, whatever platform you get this podcast on, do us a favor, go write a review about this podcast. Five stars, five stars only, please. Just write a review. We'd love to hear your comments and feedback on the podcast. And if you know of a great story, someone working to expand freedom and opportunity, we should share. Be sure to go to our website, AmericanPotential.com. You can fill out the share our story section, share your story section. Thanks for joining us on American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.